0: Okay, we're ready to start?
1: Oh, uh, give me just one second. Okay. Sounds like medicine. Yeah. You're giving me a headache.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Greetings and welcome to Mind Matters News. I'm your genial host, Robert J. Marks. We're talking to Brian Thomas and Kayla Garrett from Just Energy about their current work in appropriate technology in Haiti. Brian is an electrical engineer, Kayla is an environmental engineer, and together they work in this incredibly poor country where I was informed people on average make a dollar a day, and they have to go out and they have to buy gas sometimes in the black market for $20, $30 a gallon. It's, uh, it's just crazy. Uh, Brian, Kayla, welcome, welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you. So- One of the things that you're concentrated on as engineers is to increase the energy access to Haitians. So what's the technology that you use to increase the energy access?
1: You know, Haiti doesn't have any petroleum, any oil, gasoline, diesel. Doesn't have any uh, resources like that of its own or even coal. Uh, So they have to import all that. And that's, that's part of the problem. But what, one resource that they do have in abundance is solar energy. Um, all you have to do is go for a visit to be convinced that the sun is a little brighter down there. It's oh, it's hot. pretty. It's
0: pretty close to the equator, isn't it?
1: Well, it's it's closer than we are. It's at about 19 degrees latitude. Okay, good. But trust me, it's hot, um, and it, that sun is intense. And it, well, that's great. It's great for generating electricity with uh, solar photovoltaics. There's, you know, different kinds of solar energy. There's solar thermal that we use the sun's heat to make something hot and then generate steam and turn a turbine. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about direct conversion to electricity with your standard solar panels. Okay. So uh, that, you know, during the day, we can generate electricity for users. Um, and we also store, we, we, we make more than we use during the day so we can store it in in a battery bank. And so the systems we're putting in are, are off-grid, there is no grid connection. Uh, so they need some kind of way to store energy for the evening. And traditionally, this has been done with um, lead-acid batteries. Lead-acid batteries are an old technology. It's the kind of battery similar to an automotive battery. and that They require a lot of maintenance. They don't last very long. And there, there are some better technologies out there. And what we have started using, and this is a little bit unusual in the international development world, I think, is the use of lithium ferrophosphate batteries which are abbreviated lfp and this is a type of lithium battery chemistry that is very durable it can it can be abused uh it can be you can leave the batteries in a mostly discharged state without damaging them which is not true of lead acid batteries you can mix old and new batteries together because they have built-in electronic battery management systems that's also not true of older lead acid chemistry batteries if you mix old ones and new ones then they'll charge and discharge at different rates and it causes all kinds of problems oh so um that's the energy capture and the energy storage and then we use inverters to convert that dc electricity into an ac electricity that can be used by most appliances
2: As Brian had said, the conditions in Haiti can be pretty intense um, with heat, but also with storms, um, just general ruggedness. And we find that these LFP batteries are robust enough to handle the less-than-test conditions that are Mm -hmm. in the country.
1: Okay, It's a rugged place, and it's a pretty rugged battery chemistry.
0: So as an electrical engineer, I want to know what are some of the, maybe one of the biggest solar systems that you have installed?
1: Uh, our, our biggest project was for a hospital, a large public hospital called Justinian University Hospital, specifically for the pediatric wing of that hospital. And that's a large, it's a large public hospital in downtown cap Haitian. And we put uh, a system together there that was sponsored by USAID. And that was actually, uh, it was through a cooperative agreement with another NGO called Combit Santé,
0: NGO stands for non, non-government non organization?
1: Yes, NGO stands for uh, non-government organization. It's kind of like a-
2: Synonymous with non-profit, but in a more international sense. Yeah.
1: I see, okay. And with this other this other NGO, uh, we kind of partnered with them. We were a, a bit of a subcontractor for them uh, to uh, work with USAID to uh, do this project. It was, um, I think our, our budget was- around $150,000. Um, and so that's a 34 kilowatt solar array. It's about 150 solar panels that um, ha- they had been put in on an earlier project and we rewire them to be a battery operating system uh, and an inverter system that was capable of producing three-phase output power at about 21 kilowatts. And the system's working well and we can we can even monitor it with uh, our, the inverters we use have this SCADA capability. SCADA stands for Supervisory Control and Data Acquisition. So in other words, these the, the electronics are connected to the internet and we can monitor them from here. So uh, we get up and have a cup of coffee and check, check the solar panels down in Haiti and see if they're producing the energy that we expect them to. Well, that is when the internet works. Uh,
0: sometimes <laughs> when the internet works, okay. So I'm a consumer in Haiti. Is the solar power cheaper uh, from the solar, or is it uh, cheaper from the grid?
2: <laughs> well, um, there's not really a grid in Haiti, uh, so it's kind of a kind of a no-sum question. But uh, yeah, there's virtually no operational grid in Haiti. The state-controlled electricity company is called EDH. Um, and we've we've had people refer to the way this group operates as EDH is selling blackouts.
0: What they're selling blackouts.
2: Yep, yep. So even under under normal conditions, um, you know, right now there's a, a fuel shortage, political unrest. This is not considered standard uh, conditions. But even under standard conditions, only about thirty percent of the entire country has physical connection or access to the electricity grid that is from that state-controlled electricity company. So only 30% can even access it. But of that 30%, no single person has access 24-7. There is not electricity at any given point 24-7.
0: That's incredible. You did mention that Haiti is the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere, and it sounds like they are really, really poor and in need of just fundamental infrastructure. My goodness. Yeah. So in, in installing these, um, I, I'm sure you probably concentrate on places like orphanages and hospitals and other places of humanitarian help. Um, so how are the hospitals doing where your group has installed the solar power?
2: Uh, They are operational, which is a massive blessing. Uh, We have received some messages from the doctors there about their systems working, um, even in this time of of a little bit more crisis. One of the medium-sized clinics that's in in a town outside of Capation, which is the larger urban area, uh, sent us a message not long ago to let us know that the system is really helping during this time and that. Currently, most medical centers are having to close uh, or work really limited hours, but they are still able to function just as they used to. And they're treating people with asthma, those in need of oxygen from electric oxygen conver- uh, concentrators and converters. And he even said that their clinic was able to perform 41 C-sections last month, um, where most people were not able to travel to Cap-Haitian. Um, to receive that medical care in this time and that this would not have been possible without the solar system. And he says, quote, that it is a clear example of how a strategic decision can make a big difference and help many.
0: That's uh, that's wonderful. In installing these solar systems, uh, do you, I think you've done it yourself, but do you also employ the local nationals to do that? Uh, how difficult is it to install a solar array?
1: Well, we've developed a, a really good team down there. It's it's a small team, maybe five guys. Uh, and we have a general manager, we have an electrician, a welder, and a general purpose guy or two. And the you know, depending on the size, they can they can do it in a week, uh, maybe two weeks. The large system I mentioned that was sponsored by USAID, you know, I I thought, man, this is going to take us a long time but our electrician is uh, well-respected in the community. And he reached out to his colleagues and uh, hired five or six other guys that came and showed up and worked under his direction. So um, it it really doesn't take that long. In fact, it's much more difficult to get all the supplies to the location where the installation is going to happen. That's that, that part may take months.
0: Interesting.
1: And the installation itself, uh, it it does go faster.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. Most, engineers at the undergraduate and the graduate level are kind of interested in going out and making their mark in life. They're interested in going to Silicon Valley, coming up with an invention, going public with their IPOs, etc. cetera. Uh, that's not uh, the typical engineering path that you guys have followed. It, it, not doing that, how is it that you two have learned how to do relief and development? Where did you learn how to do this? And what's your motivation?
1: Hmm. Well, uh, I think we said in or earlier, or maybe we said in the pr- prior podcast, uh, you know, that we volunteer our time. Uh, we have other. No, I think Kayla used the word. We have other gigs that pay the bills. <laughs> I, I <laughs> okay. play the congas in a jazz band. <laughs> um, you know, Do you
0: re- I- no, that that was a joke.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay.
0: Daggone it! I thought you were like it's, it's kind of a
1: dream job of mine. I mean, I, I have this list of other careers I would have liked to have had: astronomer, conga Con- player. Conga player. You know, those are my top two. And and the other
0: thing is, is you guys have been presenting uh, papers at conferences too, haven't you?
1: We have. We uh, just recently, the two of us presented a paper at the IEEE uh, Global Humanitarian Technology Conference, which was in Santa Clara this year. You know, but we, we together, we've got about 20 years of experience working in international projects, um, you know, on a, on a quasi part time basis. I say quasi part time because, it, you know, it's hard. We don't work 40 hours a week on this, but we, we do work a lot on it. And, and, and uh, the
2: motivation, I think, is very well interwoven into the jobs and careers that we have. There's a lot of alignment in those things.
0: I know you also have to take time out to go to Haiti. It sounds like, from what you described previously, that Haiti's a pretty dangerous place to go right now. It's probably not a good idea to travel there now. Is that true?
1: The U.S. State Department has them listed at uh, level four. Do not go. <laughs> uh, <that laughs> what are that, the
0: levels? I'm not aware of that. Is is that yeah, the highest yeah, level?
1: Or Yeah, it's the highest level. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So, you know, it's up there with... <laughs> Iran Syria <laughs> really uh, okay. yeah and there's been a lot of kidnappings um, in the last last year, even though that's not their biggest problem right now uh, kidnapping for for ransom both of international people and also locals uh, including you know pastors and children's people off the street. we, we know a guy we know a guy David. I won't use his last name, but uh, he's been stopped by gangs three times, driving down to Port-au-Prince, and held up and uh, robbed. One time, he said that a couple of there were some other people there that the you know the gang members shot dead right in front of him. Oh my gosh! So it's a dangerous place, um, but we try to stay away from Port-au-Prince. In fact, I've only flown through Port-au-Prince. I've never been on the ground there, and. We we stay up in the northern area, Cap Haitian, which has historically been much safer, much safer. And you know, we have we we talk to people. That's part of the part of the answer of of how we have learned how to to do what we've learned how to do. We're still not experts, but what we have learned, we've learned by talking to people. We've learned by building relationships with people on the ground, Haitian men and women, and and, and trying to be a good listener. You know. And what, is, what are the problems they need? We don't, we, don't, we don't want to solve problems that we perceive. We want to right. solve the problems that they perceive. And we were told that job creation and energy access are two very big, and pressing needs.
0: You know, we talked about different uh, charitable organizations and how many of them are bloated in terms of salaries of those that lead them. An exception was the Salvation Army, which is a Christian-based organization. They talk about salvation. What do they mean salvation? They mean salvation through Jesus Christ. They are a Christian organization. Would you characterize just energy as a Christian organization?
2: The work that we do is motivated by our faith. Yeah. So we hold that people are made in the image of God and therefore have inherent worth and dignity. These energy systems can help people to pursue education, improve their health, their general jobs and livelihood, increase their standard of living. And being able to do that is a way that we can help bring the kingdom of God that Jesus talked about into this world. And so largely our work is motivated by our faith and the value that we see in every human and the right to access of electricity, high standards of living um, is, is one of those human rights.
0: Wow. Well, God bless you both. Uh, we've been talking to Brian Thomas and Kayla Garrett from Just Energy about their current work and appropriate technology in Haiti. If you are interested in supporting Justice and Mercy, there's a bunch of ways you can contribute. One is to go to uh, justiceandmercy.energy and spell out justice and mercy without any spaces. JusticeandMercy.energy, dot energy and there you can you can pay through PayPal they also have a Venmo account which is a word I can't pronounce so I how do you pronounce it Brian
1: yeah it's it's G's energy.
0: g's and okay I'll spell it out now j-i z E-N-E J I that's right j-I-Z E-N-E-J-I and it's not case sensitive so if you're a Venmo person, that's a good way to contribute. Or if you want to do it the old way and write them a check, their place is Justice and Mercy, number one, Bear Place, Post Office Box 60003, and that's in Waco, Texas, 76798. And I think I got all that right, didn't I?
1: Yeah, that sounded right.
0: Okay. Well, great. Well, again, Brian and Kayla, what, what, what a wonderful time chatting with you and finding out what you're doing at 80. And boy, we're, we're very appreciative. This is Mind Matters News. Until next time, be of good cheer.
1: This has been Mind Matters News with your host, Robert J. Marks. Explore more at mindmatters.ai. That's mindmatters.ai. Mind Matters News is directed and edited by Austin Egbert. The opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the speakers. Mind Matters News is produced and copyrighted by the Walter Bradley Center for Natural and Artificial Intelligence at Discovery Institute.